Funding for this edition of Think Tank with Steve Adubato has been provided by the Healthcare Foundation of New Jersey, the Terrell Fund, supporting reimagined childcare, RWJ Barnabas Health, let's be healthy together, Newark Board of Education, PSEG Foundation, the Northward Center, the New Jersey Economic Development Authority, Seton Hall University, showing the world what great minds can do since 1856. And by Valley Bank. Promotional support provided by NJ Biz, providing business news for New Jersey for more than 30 years, online, in print, and in person. And by NJ.com, keeping communities informed and connected. Hi everyone, Steve Adubato. For the next half hour, you're gonna hear a compelling, important conversation um, about mental health and our youth, our teens, our preteens. Incredibly important subject with a compelling panel who understands this issue from a variety of perspective. We're honored to have once again, Diane Grossman, co-founder of Mallory's Army, will explain that organization and why it matters so much. Uh, Steve Margiotis joins us once again, executive director of Main Street, Counseling Center. Steve, did you just wave? We know that it's you, okay? <laughs> and also, once again, joins us Christine Norbert Beyer, Commissioner of the New Jersey Department of Children and Families. I want to thank all of you for joining us so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, thank you. Can we, Diane, can we do this? Your daughter, Mallory, and we've talked about her so many times. She's had such a positive impact on so many others. Um, her tragic death at the age of 12. Please let folks understand who she was, why she matters, and what Mallory's Army is, please. Oh, thank you so much, Steve, for continuing to host us and, and, and spread word to this epidemic that I think is stealing our children's future. You know, I tell everyone that my daughter Mallory um, was the everyday all-American little girl. She was active, she was in gymnastics, she was a cheerleader. My husband and I have been married for 20 plus years. We're small business owners. You know, from the outside, um, everything was great. You know, our older daughter had attended the same middle school. So, you know, we didn't really have concerns. And then it started slowly, this relational style bullying where it's, I like you on Tuesday. I don't like you on Wednesday. I'm going to talk about you on Friday. Can you sleep over? And so as a mom, we didn't really pay much attention to it. You know, it went reported some of the name calling um, and some of the issues that we were having. We had an open conversation with the guidance counselor as to what was going on with Mallory and this group of girls that decided to put a target on Mallory's back and blatantly harass, intimidate and bully her for about nine months. Um, towards the end of the school year, um, it had been a couple of weeks and we could started to see some of Mallory's behaviors shifting and changing. Of course, we chalked it up to everyday normal puberty, right? Door slamming, I've got a stomach ache and things of that nature. And then we had a meeting with the school on June 14th. And after a three hour meeting with the school, 
that fell pretty much on deaf ears. My very healthy, active, wonderful 12-year-old daughter came home and took her own life. And I tell everyone Mallory's first attempt was her only attempt, which is why I lean my voice and created Mallory's Army to not only start the dialogue, but to hopefully educate parents, school administrators, legislators, everyone involved that has a, a minor touch to our children in our public school system, that this is what's happening. And unfortunately, Mallory is just a drop as to what I know in the circle that I now travel with. First of all, uh, before we go to uh, the commissioner and to Stephen, I wanna thank you again for being with us, for sharing that painful story. But commissioner, I'm gonna go to you first. When you hear Diane talk about Mallory, the, as horrible it is as it is for Diane and her family and Mallory at 12 years of age, it is not so isolated, is it, Commissioner? No, Please. it's not. It's not. And Diane, thank you for sharing your story. Um, unfortunately, it's not uncommon. And, you know, we know that um, suicide is one of the leading causes of death for children ages 10 to 24 in this country. And, you know, since COVID, we believe that, um, you know, children are struggling to be able to, you know, find someone to speak to or feel comfortable sharing or expressing anxiety or depression or things maybe that have been, you know, there, but now be are being exacerbated as a result of COVID. And so, you know, there's so much work that we're trying to do at the state with our partners. You know, I appreciate what Diane is doing with her partners and together, I think we really have an opportunity to make some change. Thank you, Commissioner. Uh, Steve, let me ask you this. We'll talk, keep talking about the pandemic <clears throat> because there are so many factors as, we, as it relates to mental health, the mental health of, of our youth. And we have a 12-year-old daughter turning 13 in a, about a month or so. And, and we have other uh, older boys and we, we worry about this like so many other parents. But Steve, how much is social media and cyber bullying a part of this conversation, Steve? I think it's a part of the situation without a doubt um, and has a negative impact. I think social media combined with the trauma that adolescents have to experience. I mean, these are adult issues, Steve. Um, sexual abuse, domestic violence, bullying, words hurt. And how much can one person take? It's a lot to endure, and everybody has different levels of tolerance. And I think trauma needs to be emphasized further because trauma impacts functioning, decision-making, confidence levels. It, it, you can't say enough how these incidents, like with Diane's daughter, impact a person's day-to-day -day functioning. Diane, let me let me let me ask you to do this. As we talk about social media, as we talk about cyberbullying, the pandemic, et cetera. And, and I know that 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 with Mallory's army, you talk to a lot of parents, but and we've asked you this before. Talk to parents watching right now. What advice do you have for them as it relates to the mental caring for their children who growing up very quickly as it relates to their children's mental health, please? 
I think that parents have to kind of wave the white flag and recognize that our children have a master's degree in Snapchat and we barely have an associate. So that's the biggest problem, I think. I also think that there is an excessive amount of use. Um, our children are exposed to content that they are not mature enough to navigate. You know, we know that when it comes down to rabbit holes, you know, you can first you email or Google looking healthy eating habits. And the next thing you know, your child is in a chat room teaching them how to be um, bulimic and um, have an eating disorder, um, which, of course. So I think as parents, we have to be willing to recognize that social media is is, you know, glitter in our life. So I'm not suggesting that we completely get rid of it. But I think that we have to realize that children at the ages that they are being introduced to social media is far too young. They can't navigate it. Oftentimes they are left alone um, to their own thoughts and they're left to kind of navigate it themselves and they're just not mature enough. If I could give parents one tip, it is number one, know your resources. I think that's the biggest when you speak. What, you're what gonna resources? That's my point. I think that the resources would be like to know, like when I was growing up, right, we would have a checklist on the refrigerator, call 911, this is poison control, this is that. Well, parents need to have a Rolodex uh, in their phone of resources. What are the mental health um, in your area? Because you can't wait until you get that 3 a.m. phone call. You have to know ahead of time. What but is your school's? Mm -hmm. Good. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Now, what, what is the school's role play in that? Do they have access to it? You know, as parents, it is our responsibility that if the doors are open and there's a guest speaker, our butts need to be in the seats listening to what speakers like myself have to say. Don't wait until there's a problem. Show up and be a part of the solution. There are not enough mental health professionals no. that, that for our for our teens, for, for the entire population dealing with right. uh, mental health issues, but particularly for, for young people. Commissioner, the uh, program is called NJ... NJ4S. 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 So NJ4S stands for New Jersey Statewide Student Support Services Network. And now you know why we call it NJ4S. What is, um, we'll put the graphic up, the website. What is it and why does it matter to this conversation about mental health in our youth? Yeah, so NJ4S is something that we developed here at the Department of Children and Families that we will be launching this upcoming academic year. And um, it's intended to be an integrated prevention focused statewide resource that will be available in every school, in every community in New Jersey. What is it? It's It will provide evidence-based support and prevention services. So, you know, prevention of suicide, prevention of bullying, prevention of teen pregnancy, substance use, underage drinking, but not only providing the information and knowledge, education to the students and the faculty, but to entire families. This will be the opportunity for parents to have access to resources and kind of the, the training or the education that Diane is talking about that we will have professionals, um, prevention specialists, as well as clinicians yeah. that will be available to the students, to the faculty, and to parents. I think, you know, it's prevention. It'll also be brief clinical intervention, you know, and really helping students who need more help to be connected to resources in their communities, whether that's through our children's system of care for more deep end intervention or, you know, something 
really, you know, basic um, peer to peer. And, you know, the, the point that I want to make is that sometimes the best solutions to support young people who are feeling depressed or anxious don't always have to be clinical. You know, in fact, sometimes with appropriate and preventative upstream supports, we really can help well, mitigate on the need with, with, for- Commissioner, I'm sorry yeah. for interrupting. Yeah. Um, upstream support, the, the language can get a little jargony uh, for me. Sorry. What does upstream <laughs> support mean? So that means before there's a problem, right? Before okay. there's a problem, before a child is, a young person is presenting to a counselor or to their parent that, hey, I, you know, if a parent sees that a child's behavior is changing or they're acting differently at home, uh, they're getting, you know, more anxious or more angry, you know, those signs we can do something about uh, because oh, we hey. have the information. Commissioner, I want to manage time. I'm so sorry, but yeah, yeah. I'm trying to... when we say we can do something, I'm, I'm looking at, at Diane. And I, Diane, I don't want you to interpret your head shaking right. for what I My think. My body language, I'm sorry, Steve, and, and Christine, I respectfully, but we have the systems in place. We have the New Jersey HIV, and I can tell you for a fact that the school systems are not following it. And we know for a fact that bullying in school and online is one of the key components to today's suicide. Adriana Kutch's um, situation down in South Jersey is a, a, a written video proof. So while well, I understand, and I think the resources, that, please, Steve, let me get this who thought out. Who is that? Uh, Adriana Kutch, she's the 14-year-old girl that yes. was beaten in the hallway um, down in South May's landing area and died two days later. The bullying and the online abuse is our problem. And I respect and think, and I use the word resources. I think parents do need resources, but the resources need to come from their pediatricians. This is a medical condition that is induced. My daughter did not have mental health issues until she was bullied online through Snapchat. And my daughter didn't have Snapchat. Those images were screenshotted to her. And when I brought it to the school's attention in a three-hour meeting with the anti-bullying specialist and the principal, I was told in writing that my daughter wasn't safe at school to take her home, that they would deal with it. Those girls were never issued an HIV. They were never What's held accountable. And they have What's now that? graduated high school. Okay. Uh, what is that? They were never issued a what, Diane? An HIV, a HIV. Which, which is what New mean? Jersey hangs their hat on, saying how strong the New Jersey HIV statute is. It's only valuable it. if it's enforced. And Steve, these resources are only going to work if the schools are doing their job. Right. Steve, bully, and commissioner, commissioner is not responsible for the local school districts and no, everything, but this complex stuff, absolutely. But Steve, bullying is not the totality of the problem, but it's a huge part of it. And bullying, it's funny, the word bullying, and I don't want to get on, on my soapbox here, but our daughter recently, because they can see uh, social media-wise where their friends are, and if their friends are together and disinvite someone or don't invite that kid, and the kid knows that everybody is at the mall or everyone's doing whatever, and they're not, and they feel more and more isolated, that's not bullying, but that kid has information that they're cut out, that they're isolated, that there's not, they're not included. I, I'm making this more complex than maybe it is, Steve, but what is bullying, define bullying today, and is it any different from the past? And then what do you see as the resources, Steve? Well, I think a couple things, Steve. Uh, bullying is emotional and verbal domestic violence. 
you hit somebody, you verbalize and, and, and you isolate them, you reject them, you abandon them, it hurts. And how often can you cope with this constant pressure and constant thoughts? This is this is the key, what we're seeing in therapy here at Main Street. Those thoughts will not go away. Um, and it puts tremendous pressure on young people. It would be difficult enough for adults to cope with Absolutely. this level of hostility, let alone children that do not have the experience. Real quick, we're going on a break right now. HIP stands for uh, harassment, in, intimidation, uh, intimidation, and bullying, bullying. Correct. Yes. Okay. Um, we're going to take a quick break, and I promise we'll continue the conversation right after this. Our youth, their mental health, and what all of us need to do to protect our kids better than we're doing right now. We'll be right back. To see more Think Tank with Steve Adubato programs. And to listen to Think Tank with Steve Adubato, the podcast, visit us online at steveadubato.org. If you would like to express an opinion, email us at info at caucusnj.org. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash PhD, And follow us on X at steveadubato. I'm Tim Sullivan, CEO of the New Jersey Economic Development Authority. Since joining the NJEDA, I've been struck by the incredible assets and resources that New Jersey has to offer. The NJEDA is working every day to grow New Jersey's economy in a way that maximizes the values of those assets to benefit every single New Jersey resident. This includes more support for small businesses and a focus on reclaiming New Jersey's position as a leader in the innovation economy. Visit NJEDA.com to learn more about how NJEDA is building a stronger and fairer New Jersey economy. When people were coming here to build the future, they needed a bank they could trust. But no one thought we could grow beyond a small town. They called us just another sleepy community bank. We proved them wrong. And for almost 100 years, Valley Bank has been committed to showing you what's possible. So, let them say whatever they want about us. We'll just keep being us. Because whatever you want to do next, Valley will be here to make it possible. Hi, my name is Alma Saracia at Malcolm X Bass High School in Newark. I completed the FAFSA because it's a graduation requirement and to assist me with paying my college tuition. Last year, Newark students earned more than $77 million in scholarships and financial aid. Don't miss out. See your school counselor today. Let's go to work, class of 2023. Complete the FAFSA or NJAFAA. We're back talking about the mental health, our youth and their mental health. Commissioner, from your perspective, the pandemic, will we ever really understand the impact, particularly the long-term impact on the mental health of young people from COVID? I don't think so. I, you know, I think it's really, it's going to be very challenging for us to fully understand the impact because you know, what Diane is talking about also is social media. And I think kids ended up getting more isolated during that time. They were online a lot more. We were looking at the department to put resources out online uh, for students in the classroom to be able to access supports and help and hotline numbers if they needed that. But, um, you know, now kind of the fallout and what we're seeing, I, I don't know how much is just strictly related to the pandemic and how much is kind of as Steve is saying, 
you know, just young people and the environments in which they're living in and going to school in is also having an impact. Diane, Diane, what do you, when you're out there, again, Mallory's Army, the information will go up right now about the website, the organization and the website will help you get more information. Um, Diane, to what degree do you believe the pandemic has changed your ability and the organization to have open, handed, important, sometimes painful conversations about mental health in our team? I think what the pandemic did is, is it put the devices in our kids' hand. And, you know, we were all kind of struggling during that period. You know, parents are trying to work from home. Kids are trying to school from home. So I think we all got caught in the cookie jar and um, it gave our children access to content and online um, issues. I think the biggest problem we have is that parents struggle with if I don't give my child Snapchat or TikTok, then I'm isolating them myself because keep in mind, that's where kids hang out. That's I would right. say to your point about the um, comment that you made about, oh, my kids and friends are hanging out. I always say to parents, if your child is not invited to the birthday party, that's not bullying. But when the kids take pictures and tag your child and say, you know, that, almost like nan or nan or you're not here that's or it. FaceTime in from the birthday party and say, you know, my mom said I could only invite 10 friends and you're my 11th friend. That is bullying. And I think understanding that technology is now part of our lives and we have to incorporate it into, I think parents have to do a better job of limiting the access to it. You know, remember it's glitter in our lives. It's supposed to showcase us, but I see these kids 24 seven and parents. Yeah. But me to death with, well, if I don't, if I take her phone away, exactly. I have it. You know, if I take Are her phone away, I'm now bullying her. Diana, we, because our kids see, listen, I don't want to turn this into a discussion purely about social media because it's no. so much more than that, but we go down rabbit holes. Mm -hmm. We go down rabbit holes as adults. And someone says, well, I'm just looking at cats or dog video. Okay. But at times we go down rabbit holes that impact, it impacts our mental health. And, and if we have better coping, well, supposedly better coping mechanisms. So Steve, I'll come back to Diana in a second, but Steve, this is the struggle that, that, that I know that it's not just my wife and I will often say, she'll often say, Steve, leave it alone. Let it play out. Let the kids quote work. My wife, Jen, I hope she's not watching right now. Let, let the kids work it out. 12, 13 years old. Let the girls work it out. Let, let them work it out. If they, if we don't believe they have the coping skills, Steve, I know it's case by case. There's a question here. I know, but trust me, there is. We're letting it go, letting it play out, let kids be kids. Has that conversation changed dramatically because the stakes are so much higher today, Steve? I think what you're giving us an example of is minimizing it. Let them work it out. This is serious issues that have serious impacts. So I would not, I wouldn't, I, I think it's better to get over involved than under involved. Yeah, but here's the reaction to that. And again, it, and when I talk about our family, I'm trying to, uh, I, I hope it, it's representative of so many others. This is the conversation that our daughter will have with us. Dad, if you say something, if you, if I let them know that I'm upset about that and you, God forbid, talk to another parent, then everyone will know that I did. And then I'm like, okay, so I don't want to make it worse but I don't want to just let it go and play out. Uh, Diane, please, and I'll come back to you, Commissioner. Yeah, 
that's exactly what my daughter after we left the meeting at the um with the principal on June 14th um as we were leaving the the building Mallory looked at me and her dad and said you don't know these girls you just made it worse and that's what's in their heads and that's what it is I think that the problem with it is is that we're expecting our children to be resilient. Resilient skills are built through socialization and through playground, through interaction. Our today's parents, we do intervene on the playground. We do intervene in play dates. So our children are growing up as young as two and three and four and five years old, watching parents intervene and interact with their playing. And so they're not building the real resilient skill set. And so then when they get to middle school and we're like, well, why don't you just ignore it? We can't ask them to do that because we haven't given them the skills or the training to figure it out, which is why we say when I was a kid, our parents didn't get involved. Well, they didn't. But today's parents are involved. And so that requires parents getting involved in order to get resolution because kids don't know how to do it by themselves. Got a couple of minutes left here. There's so much ground to cover. And I promise I, we're not fans of those are colleagues, our colleagues in the media who say, yeah, we did a program on youth and mental health, check off the box, next topic. So much more work needs to be done. Commissioner, how about this? Um, our producers brought up this issue that, that youth in the LGBTQ plus community are particularly being targeted right now and mental health issues that they are facing uh, are even, they're not worse, but, but it's very complex and difficult, particularly with public conversations and legislation and public discussion about identifying who those kids are, th those kids having their parents have to be told. And where am I going with this, Commissioner? Help me, because there's a lot of talk, but do we understand the mental health issues in the LBGTQ plus community with teens, please? Yeah, I mean, I think the LGBTQ plus community has the same issues that we've just been talking about for the last 20 minutes or so, but they're exacerbated because um, it's one more thing that those children then have to uh, have to deal with or feel very uncomfortable with. I think you know maybe the attorney general is currently leading an effort to address local school policies that would effectively right. out students, as you're saying, um, to their lawsuits, parents. You know, which, right, which could you know exacerbate or make um, those issues worse. I mean, I think all of what we're talking about here. It's twofold. I mean, we have to be able to provide students with um, the social and emotional supports to help build their resilience at a young age. But at the same time, we also need to be providing parents with the right information and the words so that they feel comfortable talking to their students and understand maybe how to get involved or when to get involved and how to support them through their challenges. But this is not you know, there's not one thing that any of us are going to do to be able to help our students through their mental health challenges. And I think the earlier we can start in building resilience and educating and providing resources to parents, we're going to be much better off. No easy answers, um, but the conversation doesn't solve the problem, but we need to keep talking about it in a substantive, meaningful way with uh, people who care deeply, like the three of you, to Diane, to Steve, to you, Commissioner. I want to thank um, all of you for joining us. I promise we'll be back continuing to talk about these issues of mental health, particularly involving young people. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Steve Adubato. We thank you for being with us, and we wish you and your family, particularly 
the young people in your family. All the best. See you next time. Think Tank with Steve Adubato has been a production of the Caucus Educational Corporation. Funding has been provided by the Healthcare Foundation of New Jersey, the Terrell Fund, supporting Reimagine Child Care, RWJ Barnabas Health, Newark Board of Education, PSEG Foundation, the Northward Center, the New Jersey Economic Development Authority, Seton Hall University, and by Valley Bank. Promotional support provided by NJBiz and by NJ.com. To watch more Think Tank with Steve Adubato, find us online and follow us on social media. I'm Tim Sullivan, CEO of the New Jersey Economic Development Authority. Since joining the NJEDA, I've been struck by the incredible assets and resources that New Jersey has to offer. The NJEDA is working every day to grow New Jersey's economy in a way that maximizes the values of those assets to benefit every single New Jersey resident. This includes more support for small businesses and a focus on reclaiming New Jersey's position as a leader in the innovation economy. Visit NJEDA.com to learn more about how NJEDA is building a stronger and fairer New Jersey economy. When people were coming here to build the future, they needed a bank they could trust. But no one thought we could grow beyond a small town. They called us just another sleepy community bank. We proved them wrong. And for almost 100 years, Valley Bank has been committed to showing you what's possible. So, let them say whatever they want about us. We'll just keep being us. Because whatever you want to do next, Valley will be here to make it possible. Hi, my name is Alma Saracia at Malcolm X Bass High School in Newark. I completed the FAFSA because it's a graduation requirement and to assist me with paying my college tuition. Last year, Newark students earned more than $77 million in scholarships and financial aid. Don't miss out. See your school counselor today. Let's go to work, class of 2023. Complete the FAFSA or NJAFAA.